You all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Yeah. Albert Shivers. The Matrix doesn't happen. That's very true. Come along quietly or not. The general concept is that creativity flourishes in an in a atmosphere of freedom. Conversation. Talking with others is one of the most important things you do. When you know how to carry on a good conversation, you interest. You'll lead you to new friends. Good conversation is the key to a greater feeling of ease, knowledge, and bullshit. Like a good game, a good conversation can be pleasant for everyone. Someone gets an idea. Two penguins in the desert on a canoe. On a canoe. One says, where's your paddle? And the other says, it sure does. Mm -hmm. Someone else comments on it. I don't know, man. I don't know. <coughs> you good? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I'm good. All right. Another disagrees. Nah, close. It is close. Oh, That's what okay. I thought originally, but there's a thing that makes perfect sense. Still another adds his share. Sand wears down a wooden paddle. And so it goes. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Oh, where's, where's your paddle? It wears yeah. it. <laughs> Everyone keeping his eye on the ball, following the topic, joining in, and passing it around. You are listening to the first station on your dot. WCNW, operating on a frequency of 1,500 kilocycles in Brooklyn, New York. Pulling in for a pit stop, Janet Guthrie. When I pull in, sometimes I want full service. And sometimes, I'd rather serve myself. Hi, Janet. Hi, Buck. At many Texaco stations, there's a choice. Serve yourself and save some time and money. Or get full service from the Texaco good guys. Self-service or... or... full service. You get what you want when you make your pit stops at Texaco. I like Albert, and the others are okay. But I really want to go home. Let's listen to a conversation. See if you can tell what's good about it. Just watch the race. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, William Byron won, but it was not without a little bit of drama. It sure was. With, um... It is, isn't it? Yeah, so <laughs> it came down, there was a caution crash right at the end, and it came down to a very late restart where it was Bubba, Bubba Wallace and Larson right on the line next one another to start off oh. mind you larson had a five second lead before this crash yeah. and the guy Over who five. crashed was two laps behind yeah Jeez. so um with 25 laps to go or yeah seven something like that it might even be like 19 oh my god like right in that yeah. realm and yeah some guy way in the back spins out pretty much on his own um i don't know if he blew a tire or what happened or if he just spun racing for 33rd by himself he spins re-rack him larson wallace on the front row um bubba is on the top row larson's on the bottom row so they're just racing side by side for the whole first lap mm -hmm. 
they come around for their next lap uh, under green, and when one car is underneath the other, the aerodynamics are a lot different. Because oh, really? air isn't fully hitting your car. It's just you have a car tucked right up on you, Gosh, dispersing the air is... differently. Right, right. So Larson is underneath Bubba and just loses it, spins completely out, <laughs> totals. He turned his coupe to just like a, um, a wagon, basically, right. crushed in Holy the whole crap. rear bumper mm-hmm. and was done. So right. at that point... Like, is that how it looked to you? Yeah, it um, made the rear of his car much flatter and much uh, closer to the front of the car than it should have been. Well, how was Larson? They didn't interview him until after the race was over, and both Kyle and I were, were thinking, like, wait, well, why aren't haven't they interviewed him yet? Because there was another caution um, in between that and the end of the race where... Now Bubba is under, like now he's having a race with a bunch of different guys, mm-hmm. gets crossed up, kind of like loses it with a car, another car underneath him, and then just falls back to fourth, races back up to second, but never has enough time to catch Byron. Mm-hmm. Oh, wagon, yeah. Has that happened before with like <clears throat> the older models? Or? Not really. Wow. And since all the concussions, they built in more, more give. God, that makes perfect. That makes sense. Wow. So now they crush a lot more. Like wow. a year ago, they were so sturdy of a car. All the force was in the drivers. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So that's how that ended up going. Well, yeah. I just I thought I figured he would have been hurt, just considering like his car getting smashed in like that. But it doesn't seem like it was. Uh, yeah, he was all right. It's, yeah. I was very unhappy when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about it was, like, we both, like, jump up because it happens so fast. Mm-hmm. Like, one minute, Larson is there, and then it's just the air, the shift in the air can just, it can all act that quickly. They were very close. Was the wreckage after that pretty crazy? or? So, like, I think it was um, Reddick and Eric Jones hit the wall. They bounce off. Blaney gets in it. A couple other guys get in it. And then that set up another restart. And that's the one that like, Bubba kind of fumbled. And like lost the lead and then had to like just claw his way back to second from fourth. That's good, though. That's yeah. a good race. Yeah, that was good. Bubba, especially like having it. No, not having it. Taking it. Losing it and almost catching up, like that's yeah. that's that's great. A lot of flags, especially in the beginning. Every yeah. couple laps, it seemed there was another flag. Mm-hmm. Two loose tires. So yeah. guys, that tire flies the, off one after the other. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was like within less yeah, than five yeah. laps of each other. Do you know us? You know our songs. Shine, little rover, glimmer, glimmer. But our faces hardly get a glimmer of recognition. So we carry the American Express card. Without it, we'd be a lazy river without a you-know-what. To apply for a card, look for this display wherever the card is welcomed. The American Express card. Don't leave home without it. Go tell your mama that, boy. So the next thing we're going to talk about 
is where we we had like gotten into it a little bit on the last episode that Stefan was on with Isaac and I. Music that we've gotten into by hearing it through our parents, or music like our parents turned us on to that we ended up liking. Some you like, some you don't like. So, what were some like examples for you guys about? And I have a bunch too. That music like that you, was your parents either era or generation, or at least they showed you that you, now you like. Um, do you want to go first, or? I think, uh, yeah, sure. I'm just thinking here. Yeah, I'd say a lot of what, you know, the music, you know, that was around when I was growing up definitely, like, helped form my, uh, me as a musician. Uh, I suppose, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, they were both my parents in the 90s. There was a lot of that sort of underground grungy stuff from, you know, from, like, all over. There was, like, uh, Slint and Swerve Driver and all these weird groups, stuff like that. Of course, like, Nirvana and the Pixies and all that, all mm-hmm. that stuff. So yeah, just hearing like, you know, choice songs from all these groups growing up, I sort of built my own playlist, like what I like from all of it. So that was pretty cool. There was some other stuff too. I, I was always into like, you know, growing up. I don't know. My, my grandmother was like really into the Beatles, I guess back then. So you know, I was around her house a lot when I was young. So it's probably the first like stuff I was listening to getting okay. into but um yeah it was cool you know when we were doing the uh, music store you know over with jay mm-hmm. it's yeah all those dudes put on a lot of cool stuff so that was like around whatever i was 13 or 14 a whole you know whole bunch of other music came around that i was listening to which is neat and uh, there's just so many to really pinpoint it you know like <laughs> say exactly what but it definitely yeah where, where you go I know um, growing up next door, you know, to you guys, it was just like, you know, your parents are very music oriented and they're, um, you know, very musically inclined and they have very expansive taste in music and just, you know, always, you know, growing up, hanging out at your house all the time, there was always music playing, whether it was, you know, jazz on WXPN on the... The radio that never shut off. There was a lot of jazz. I was <laughs> going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of jazz. And, um, you know, you'd have uh, the Almighty Terribles come over and record. That's and, you know, you had that whole room there set up as a recording studio. And it yeah, was that just was awesome. Yeah. And I can see how that, um, you know, very much affected the way that, um, you know, the music that you guys listen to. Um, for me, I didn't really have much of an experience with um, music that wasn't being played on like the pop radio stations at the time until shoot maybe I was like let's see I was in like fourth grade ish and then like I was I think I was playing like Grand Theft Auto on my PlayStation or something like that I was listening to all these different radio stations and there's some pretty good songs a lot of people found music yeah. on GTA yeah and um like I heard Ronnie, uh, Ronnie James Dio song through there, and um, after that, like my dad also was a, you know, pretty big Ronnie fan, so a lot of uh, I ended up like you know listening to a lot of his CDs and stuff like that, and I remember like one time where I was just like totally blown away that like more music exists outside of just like that that handful of songs that I was hearing on the radio, 
was at a sis- my sister's softball game and it was pretty cold out I think that day and so I was sitting in my dad's truck he you know he had it turned on with the heat and I was just going through his CDs and I found like Master of the Moon which you know from his discography it's not one that's really remembered it's not a it's not anything notable out of you know what he's done but he's an excellent musician and you know has an excellent library of music and um but i was just sitting i just remember sitting there listening to the song master of the moon and just looking at the album cover where it's just this great blue beast with these horns on him and he's holding this glowing orb and he's in some kind of like cosmic setting or whatever Mm -hmm. i was just like it just completely blew my mind i was just like this is amazing (laughs) yeah that's the music epiphany thing is is cool like yeah finding a whole new whatever if it's a song or a genre but yeah yeah i was like at a point where i would prefer just to not even listen to the radio because they just played Mm -hmm. all the same songs and I'd get kind of annoyed. I'd be like, Mom, just please turn the radio off. I'm yeah. sick of listening to this. Yeah, some stations just really drill it in, you know? Whatever mm. playlist it is. Yeah. But it does It does have a big, you know, part in it, I guess. If the radio's on a lot, you know, that's just the stuff that yeah. a person naturally, I guess, gets inclined to or understands the repetition. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So... For me, I would say that there was a lot of it. Um, I'll, I'll tell a little bit out of order, but um, I did also grow up around a lot of Beatles. Oh, yeah. Be it my father or um, his cousin, who would be my second cousin, Joey. Big, yeah. big, big Beatle guy. Oh, yeah. Had all the albums, doubles, one... one um, in the cellophane, yeah, yeah. in the cabinet, one that he'd listen to. So he was that kind of fan. Wow. And so he would come over and I was like one or two years old when the Beatles song Free as a Bird came out. So I don't know if you guys have heard Free as a Bird. So what they did, they had these John Lennon demo tapes and Paul, George, and Ringo got together and we're gonna build a song around these demo tapes uh, so John Lennon I believe really only sings in the chorus yeah and then Paul and George take the verses or the bridges one or the other yeah so I'm one or two years old when that tape comes out and it came out on cassette tape and Mike Joey would come over with the tape and he would put it in. My father had like the primo 1991 stereo setup. And I can like very vaguely remember just that song because it was a cassette single. So it was just this one song that these two would just listen to on a loop. Mm. And then like side A was. I don't really remember, but my memory of is like side A was the single and side B was like a remastered old Beatles song and an instrumental of Free as a Bird. Something like that. 
So it would just be these two songs over and over, or yeah, two songs over and over again. So there was a lot of Beatles, and I feel that the Beatles, for someone who like really explores music, the Beatles is like where you're jumping off point. Like you kind of settle into an era that you like, and then you kind of explore in that direction. Right. Yeah. And for me, the Beatles had led me to Bob Dylan. Yeah. Who? I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, um, the Beatles lead me to Dylan, who was also introduced to me by John. And John was one of the guys who hung around. And he was one of the ones who was cool with me. And he'd come and hang out with me. And we would build balsa wood plain models. And he would bring over CDs and records of Bob Dylan, Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson, like 70s country guys, and Dylan. And that was great, but to stay on track, eventually I'm really into Dylan, and I get this box of records from an antique auction for like 20 bucks. And I'm like, I'm going to bid on this because there's Dylan records in there. Well, there are also Zappa records in there. Uh. And I remember thinking, oh, my mother likes Zappa. She's played Zappa for me. So, okay, I'll keep these as I sifted through the box when I got it home. And revisiting Zappa by being introduced to it by my mother got me into him. And that brought me to jazz and boom, 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 boom. And for me, it was always a real nostalgia trip because I was always able, even though I revisited something, I was always able to bring it back to... Oh, my mother played Zappa for me, or my grandfather played old jazz for me. So, it, to me, I could always had a link to some version of the past. Mm-hmm. And the strangest of which, to my way of looking at it, because it's not something that I would ever really listen to if it wasn't for hearing it growing up and it have making me feel good, is both my mother and father were very, very into the three tenors, specifically Pavarotti. And again, this is their prime. Early 90s, they're turning out PBS specials one after the other. So PBS would play their whole concert. In between, they'd come on and ask for money every like 15 or so minutes, (laughs) offer you a tote bag, and, a, and like a free CD of the concert. But this was on the TV. It would play on the stereo on Sundays or the weekends. My mother would be making a pot of sauce. And I could remember standing in the, the back doorway that led out into the porch. Standing in the doorway. Seeing the silhouette of my mother at the stove. With a big pot of red sauce that would... We'd eat that night, and then it would last us the week. And just Pavarotti, just gently flowing from the speakers. And it's just like a mental snapshot in my head of that. And this could be overly nostalgic, but it's cool to think about for me is that those same speakers are the speakers that are in my living room now, those old bows were the ones that I was hearing all this music out of that I later on would like love or just be really into. Mm-hmm. And it was, those speakers were the vehicle that 
brought me to that music. So it's cool to still have them downstairs. That's pretty cool. When I grew up, I didn't really have, we didn't really play music in the house. So I didn't really, you know, have that. Right. Um, let me see. Um, I was going somewhere with that, I promise. Okay. <laughs> well, while you're thinking about that. The man that came to San Francisco to offer them more. You don't believe it? Listen to me. I don't lie. Take a fucking car like this. A 1966 Ford, a Country Squire 9 factor station wagon. Don't worry about the equipment. Imagine all the fun you can have in the back. And while you're doing it, imagine all the money that that bald-headed prick Ralph Williams is going to be making on the car he's talked trying to fuck you out of. Yes, the man that will take every dime out of the San Francisco Bay Area and spend it on prostitutes, booze, and, of course, crap tables in the city of Las Vegas. I'm sure you've heard about it. So remember this. If you'd like to get fucked and hooked real hard before you buy a car, come down here. Let Ralph Williams do it. Why not? Why, why not somebody else? Remember our address at 345 El Camino Real in the city of San Bruno. But if you come from Marin County, East Bay Area, San Jose, your money spends just as well as anybody else's. And when this bald-headed son of a bitch gets hold of you, you will spend money. Talking about payments, five years payments of $100 a month. You can't get even. So shop before you buy. Base your Chrysler Plymouth. And it was WCBS-FM with Cousin Brucey on Saturday nights. That was the oldies station, 50s, 60s, and very little early 70s. Um, and on Saturday nights, it would be you could call in and request. So my mother had that on a lot because she was, she grew up in the 70s, but both my uncle was very into music, but he was much older than her. So he grew up in the 50s. And had doo-wop and early rock and roll. So he kind of imprinted that on her. And she carried it. And it, that era of music ended up being imprinted on me. Be it through listening to the oldies that were new to me at that era. Right. And because I was hearing the same music for the first time that my uncle heard for the first time, we were the same age. Right. So. That's pretty cool. So he, what is oldies to him in this indirect way has the same effect on me because I was hearing for the first time at the same age, but just 50 years later or more even. Um, so yeah, that, cool. was, that was a trip when I first put that, those dots together. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, just like, I pretty much after like, what I was talking about with like the CD and all that, mm -hmm. after that, like I really started like talking to my dad about like music and stuff like that. And after that, like we, like he got me into Black Sabbath and I was totally, they're still my favorite band of all time. Um, I don't really listen to them as much anymore because, well, I used to listen to them a lot. <laughs> yeah, and it, and. It I understand that you could play something a lot, but it's still, you still like it. Yeah, and um, a lot of the, um, my experience was very similar as far as, like, the age for, between me and my dad listening to that. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I think it was their second album, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. My dad told me, now this is, he was a bit younger, but, not, you know, it was negligible in age. He was in, like, second grade, I think. 
and uh, they had his teacher tried to do this thing where a kid would play in their bring in their favorite record to play while they're working, and okay. each kid would um, you know ha- that would be the record for the day. So he brought in Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, which had just come out, and um, I don't know if you know what the um, the album cover is for it. But it's very demonic. Okay. It's, you know, this big demon with these horns that come down and a lot of red. Gotcha. And um, the teacher saw it and she's like, you're not, play- <laughs> you're not playing this, uh, this music and uh, get-, get that shit out of here, basically. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And um, that was pretty funny. I think that's a very funny story. But um, that-, that kind of music, I was kind of listening to around when I was the same age, a little bit older, but, you know, kind of negligible. And, you know, at that point I had, you know, a phone. So if I was going out to the garden or whatever, I would put it on my phone and I'd have it in my pocket as I was, you know, weeding or picking green beans or, you know, whatever I was doing, just maintaining the garden. Mm-hmm. And um, talking a lot of stuff like about that. And not too long after, like, I started listening to that kind of music and talking with my dad about it is when um, Ronnie James Dio actually died. So it was, I only knew who he was for like four months. And then oh, he just, that's so weird. And then he died. And um, I mean, he had like stomach cancer. It was mm. pretty bad. But um, it, it was kind of weird. Just like as soon as I discover it, I'm like, oh, man, like I hadn't. Now, it was many years before I went to my first concert. But I was just like, oh, man, that would be so cool. You know, I didn't know anything what was going on with him. I just knew, hey, this is cool music. But um, actually, my first concert I went to was in 2016. So it was the beginning of 2016. So I was like 15 years old. And my dad and I went to go. We went to Madison Square Garden. And I know, Isaac, you know my dad. Mm. Neither of us really like cities. Him much less, much more... uh, much less so than I. Right. But um, I told him about it. Our uh, one coworker told me about it. And I was like, oh, Dad, this would be so cool because it's, you know, their, what would they call it? The end tour. Their last tour. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they started in Madison Square Garden and we went to go see them. And this was Sabbath. Black Sabbath, yeah. Okay. And um, that first concert I ever went to, and it was just totally kick-ass, even though, you know, Ozzy was like, you know, it was early 70s. All the guys yeah. were there and, you know, in their 70s, except for the drummer. I don't know who they got. I can't remember. But he was a young guy. And he was going fucking right. nuts. Well, you know, Ozzy couldn't really even walk around the stage. He just kind of stood in the same spot and rocked back and forth. But um, it was still really cool. Just an awesome experience. You yeah. Know, that was first concert ever. And it was just such an incredible thing. It is. What was your first concert? Dude, I think, pretty sure it might have been Bob Dylan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when I was like nine, maybe. I think my, my grandma took uh, took us to see him. Okay. Yeah, she was also big into uh, Dylan as well. Hmm. A lot of, like, folk guys. Hey, I'll tell you what, and you continue, but if I don't get into Dylan, like, Dylan was what made me want to learn guitar. Oh, yeah. And even though I've, like, moved past that phase, we all it have was, that. like, learning to play guitar on Dylan. This so, yeah. is, it's all really good music to like have grown up to, yeah, you know. Right. Technically, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to it. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a good jump off point. 
as it as it is, yeah. But uh, and you say you were nine. When probably you yeah. Something okay. I, I was pretty young. So you beat probably beat the both of us. Oh yeah. In age. Yeah, it was it was around there, like right around. But before that, you were still you know watching your parents play or your dad play and stuff like that, right? Yeah, it's true. I, okay. I got lucky. They they just had a guitar on the when I was yeah. a kid to just bite you know chew on and mm -hmm. smack <laughs> but yeah i remember <laughs> yeah there's a i think and yeah um you know my grandparents he did the same thing they just put a guitar out right so their guitar is all chewed up as well growing up isaac yeah you know his parents had <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> a lot of instruments around so yeah. you know the, he probably wasn't allowed to touch the guitar, you know, the oh, good yeah. one, the pristine one, but he would just, there was oh, like, here's a guitar, there you go, bud. Right. There was like a Takamini or something, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was cool. But yeah. I was I was going to see Lou Reed, I think, sometime, it was like mid-high school, and like we oh, had a wow. show booked, and I think that was you know, kind of going back to the deal thing, like, yeah, he like checked out right, like a month before or so. Wow. So that kind of sucks, but. What about you? My first concert, no one would ever guess, which was Merle Haggard. was no, my kidding. first concert. It was right not long after Johnny Cash had died. So he, I remember distinctly him doing a bunch of Johnny Cash songs. Uh, I remember you know, he played all of his tunes. And then he goes like, who out there misses Johnny Cash? And it's just... <laughs> <laughs> so he just like goes through like this long medley of like Folsom Prison Blues, Man in Black, but da, da 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 like all the hits, all the crowd pleasers, but it was cool. Like it was awesome. Like they did a good job. Um because in high school in New York I went through like a country phase. Probably like, some rebellious thing. Like I'm in a little city, I'm in the country. Um <laughs> And that was right at that, like I was just kind of peeking out on that and about to get into the next thing. And that's when I had gone and seen Merle. But it was cool. I got a t-shirt that I unfortunately don't have anymore. But um, I wish I had it now. Because <laughs> it was, um, so Merle Haggard has a song, Fight Inside of Me, which... Um, the song boils down to the lyric, if you're running down my country, man, you're walking on the fighting side of me. And that was the t-shirt. With Merle Haggard with a guitar and a giant American flag that might have had eagles like coming out from behind it, but I don't know. And it was just this white t-shirt with that on it. And I don't know, I don't know when it, I lost track of it, but at one point, I was, it was gone. That was that. But I remember it. I have a, I still have this shirt. I don't know how I got it. I was super young when I got it. But it was... Um, I use it as like a night shirt now. Okay. And it's um, this concert that I think my uncle went to in probably the late 90s. It was called... The tour was like called the Anger Management Tour. And it was like... You know, on the front, it's just a circle, and it's got the names on it, and on the back is just a whole bunch of people. But it was like Eminem, um, &M, Exhibit, Limp Biscuit, <laughs> stuff like that. But um, 
just the shirt reminded me of that and I don't know how I ever got that shirt or um, why my uncle doesn't still have it but that was probably like I don't know yeah late 90s for sure and Papa Roach is on it and a bunch of other people mm. but completely different genre <laughs> yeah still though it's funny when you said about um, before Lou Reed um, who the drummer Sabbath who died oh, yeah. right after you listened to them. Um, same or, thing happened to what's or the, the drummer he's still alive he just didn't want to play with them oh okay uh, or so who was it the the drummer or Dio who died yes oh okay it. sorry right yeah same thing happened to me with Car- David Carradine oh really so I had I didn't see Kill Bill when it first came out and I seen it like way 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 late but I seen it got like really into both movies and like months later Carradine died I feel like I just bought his book, which I did not enjoy. Um, <laughs> you told me about that book, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he died like not long after. And then his death was real mysterious. Hmm. And they had um, a bunch of people, like Michael Madsen and a bunch of other people that knew him well enough on Larry King. And they were all talking about how mysteriously he died. Because he was found hanging in his hotel room closet by like a belt like there were odd things that there's no proof no cameras yeah that would have caught somebody leaving if somebody were to leave but it was something the way he was there people be- like he couldn't have done that himself mm-hmm. the way that they found him he couldn't have gone that position alone right like it hmm. would have been very strange is like yeah like the cobain thing almost like just how this hand was supposedly wrapped around like like past 180 degrees like mm-hmm. this hand was like on the forend but there was like it was loaded like the, the the gun itself was like you know there was one in the chamber so this mm-hmm. mysterious weird yeah so another, like it was very hard to believe he was holding the gun the way he was yeah like at first there was still the gun was still in his hands or one hand i'm pretty sure after Afterwards, and okay. like his it body, had, yeah, it had like ejected the shell and like loaded another one, but his hand was like still there was a hand still gripped onto it. So mm. uh, that was okay. yeah. one documentary said said that. Yeah, his was a very suspicious death. I um, I think I guess the joke is um that he killed himself by shooting himself in the back of the head with a shotgun twice, but. I, I don't, I guess that's uh, a, <laughs> yeah, you know, the twice is obviously a joke, but what, did he really get shot in the back of the head? Because I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's hard to pull off. Yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, who knows, man. Sure, and yeah, his book, just to like, if anyone is wondering, <laughs> his book had a lot to do with Kill Bill, but it had just as much, if not more to do with him, like, rubbing elbows and going to expensive restaurants to me, like deep, deep <laughs> descriptions like of, of five-star restaurants that you will never go to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like the people he sees there and the name, there's a lot of name dropping. That you'll, mm-hmm. I didn't finish it. Yeah. <laughs> you'll never the, see this person. Don't. Yeah. This is what they're like. <laughs> the book may have gotten amazing. I didn't finish it because I was like, nope, this I'm done with this. Fair enough. Um, so, I, in fairness, I have not finished it, but what I read, I didn't, I, I was like, 
fuck this guy. <laughs> you know, like, funny. I'm sorry you're dead, dude, but, like, yeah. this book is not what I wanted. It's funny that we got this, like, the Kung Fu box set of some kind. It's, like, the uh -huh. completed thing, and that's, like, kind of, it's, like, in the extras, they film, like, this whole 20-minute film of just a, a dinner with David Carradine and friends. And, like, it was, <laughs> yeah, it just went really in-depth at this fancy, like, Maybe Japanese restaurant. Maybe yeah, I, yeah, I just think it's funny. it's funny. It was that and him talking smack about... Um, so, he was a part of the training of Uma Thurman, Vivica Fox, and mm. the other woman in that movie. Not Lucy Liu. Oh, okay. The woman with the eye patch... Oh, who put the snake in Michael Madsen's bag? The whistling. Daryl Hannah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, she, the three of them were being trained, and he had something to do with the training, <laughs> yeah. and they had um, a professional trainer oh, wow. to get them to at least be able to do the some of the stunts and the movement. Right. And. He talked shit on them. <laughs> That's great. And interesting fact, you guys may even already know, the stunt woman for Uma Thurman in the Kill Bill movies was also the woman who was the New Zealander in Death Proof. Really? Have you guys seen Death Proof? I gotta be honest, I haven't seen either of those two movies. Okay. <laughs> Not a problem. But I am... That's a great tidbit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen those two? Nah. Well, the Kill Bill. Yeah. Yeah. That. Not that. Yeah, I haven't seen. Okay. That that should be one that we check out. Um, yes. Tarantino's kind of like nod to the old crazy car movies of the seventies. Oh, is this like the like Uber fucking biker guy film? Or no? No, that was guy. Hellride. Hellride. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that is a different, very similar. Like in the same realm and the same, definitely the same universe of oh, movies. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Death Proof was part of the Tarantino Robert Rodriguez um, cooperation thing that they did. Um, Planet Terror and Death Proof. Huh. That was the whole night was called Grindhouse. Hmm. So it was those two movies. Robert Rodriguez wrote and directed Planet Terror. Which was the chick with the, the the gun for the leg? If you've ever seen a picture gun. of that, and she wait. had a gun that like strapped on like a prosthetic leg, mm -hmm. oh, wow. and she'd shoot folks up with it. Jesus that sounds Christ. pretty rad. Yeah. Um, it kind of this is reminds me of. Uh, oh yes, yes. It's kind of like um, uh, Kingsman, or we'll is it Kingsman Two? Go down. Where this woman has a prosthetic, but it's like a big sword, basically. Okay. So, probably drew inspiration from that. Yeah. Mm. And then this, so then they had fake trailers, um, some of which became real. So, like Eli Roth's Thanksgiving, which he's finally doing now, but this was in 2007. Wow. So, that was like a fake trailer. Machete, which went on to be a real movie, at that time was a, a fake trailer to put in the middle of these two movies. Wow. Um, and there was another one, I don't remember how many, I know there was more than just those two. Then Death Proof was the second movie. And there were some actors were in both. 
which was very popular in the 70s, you would go see these like B-movie double features and it would have a lot of the same actors in it. So they put Rose McGowan, I believe, in both movies. Okay. Um, like she was the chick with the leg gun in Planet Terror and in Death Proof, she's a woman at the bar that needs a ride. I won't ruin the endings of either one of them, but she's in both. But Death Proof's got Kurt Russell. He's like ah. the big the big star, and he plays Stuntman Mike. And if you were to watch a lot of the old 1970s hot rod and road movies, Tarantino just sprinkles all these references, like he does with a lot of his movies. Right. Sprinkles in tons of references to all these old 70s car movies, hmm. which is cool. And the movie has a killer soundtrack, too, Death Proof. I love a good soundtrack in a movie. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely good. Yeah, so. And they were able to get shots that they wouldn't normally be able to get because she's a stunt woman. They don't have to hide her face. Ah, yeah. If she's dressed as Uma Thurman, they can't show her face. Yeah, right, right. But being able to get angles where it doesn't matter if you show the stunt person's face because she's in the movie. Right. So that led to a lot of cool cinematography. That's awesome. Yeah. So even from that perspective, it was a cool movie. And um, I think the last thing I'd like to throw in um, is the movie, I believe, Tokyo Gore Police. Um, We were talking about prosthetic from the leg down. I believe it's that movie that features... A character, a gator girl or alligator girl, who is an alligator mouth from the waist down. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I'm running around. Uh, my mother would go to this jeweler called Pan's Jeweler. He was a Chinese jeweler that was in this big building of many, many stores. Um, if you ever walk through like a big supermarket and there's many different places. Well, this was just stores. Like a strip mall, kind of? Like indoor, but just booths. Oh, okay, booths, gotcha. Yeah, and some were bigger than others, and there was like middle places. And one of the middle places was Pan's Jeweler. And my mother went to him for some reason, and right across from Pan's was a video place that was a lot of the... Booths and places in this building were Chinese owned, like Chinese businesses, and this one guy was did videos. Mm. And I would go and just try to find the Godzilla movies as a kid, or like dinosaur s- stuff. Um, and I just went away. I went a different route down a different aisle, and I was looking for a Godzilla, and seeing the cover, which was just this girl with alligator. Torse like from the waist down, just this giant alligator mouth with a big, like greasy, drooly tongue hanging out of the side of it. And man, did that scar me. And I remember vividly, like, looking at the guy, like the owner of the place, yeah. like, horrified, and him just, like, looking at me, like, what? What? What's your problem? <laughs> and just running out of his stand. And I, like, he was like a chubby dude dressed all in black. Like a neck beard without the beard. Uh, okay. If you could put it. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Like um, the comic book guy from The Simpsons. Yes. Yeah. He was he was young, but he was on his way there. Yeah. yeah. He was like the prototype of him. He had you know a full head of hair. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He did have a full head of hair. Like now, probably, he's totally there. Yeah. Mm. Maybe, and maybe he lessens. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. So it that took me years to figure out. I saw this completely ridiculous movie as a kid, and I know what it's called, but, you know, every once in a while I'll think of it, and I'll look for it online, and there's absolutely nothing. Uh, It's completely just this untraceable movie that we got at Blockbusters one time, and it was called Chin World Tryouts. Okay. And... Chin as in like C-H-I-N? Like the chin right under my mouth. On your face, Mm -hmm. gotcha. And the reason it was called that is because every character was a chin. They put googly eyes on someone's chin and recorded it upside down from, you know, the mouth below. And that was every character. Just, you know, upside down chin. And they like, re. it was like they had a, they were almost kind of like long shorts in a way. Mm -hmm. Like they had, the only one I can really remember is the Titanic. And I think in the beginning of the movie, it was like actual tryouts for the Titanic movie or something like that. And then, you know, it showed the Titanic movie where everybody's a chin and the Titanic's sinking. They're like, oh, my God, we all have to go to this side of the boat. And they do. And then the boat's fine. And it sails off. But um, I remember that because uh, afterwards, me and my siblings thought it was just so funny. So we got our old camcorder. The one that um, that's here, mm-hmm. and um, I, don't, I don't think we have any of it on tape because we just kind of like did a live feed to the TV, and we draw little faces on our chins and just kind of like recreate it, and um, hmm. I've never been able to find any um, inkling of its existence. Any evidence of? Uh, yeah, any evidence of that uh. this is a real thing. <laughs> so yeah. here's what's interesting about that. But let me ask you this first. Would you be able to peg, like, what year this would have been? Um, okay, so this is when there was that Mount, or, um, the blockbuster in Mount Pocono was still going strong. Oh six, oh seven. And, I mean, this was a couple years before Blockbuster just kind of, okay. um, went up in smoke. So my guess would have to be between 2003 to 2005, maybe. Okay. Were those videos made then, or were the videos themselves older? That I don't know. Do you guys, have either of you seen that first Scooby-Doo movie, which was Scooby-Doo and the zombie Zombie mm-hmm. Island. I've got that one on VHS. I used to watch that all the time. The first time I seen that movie, oh. it blew my mind. The first time I seen it, it horrified me. That I was couldn't my, handle it. That was my first experience with Scooby Doo, and I know oh, okay. that this was a big. This movie was a big deal because it wasn't just a creature in the mask. They made it actual paranormal stuff. Yeah. Mm. So. Mm. Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm like almost joking on a pretzel. <sighs> I did not chew that. You want some more water? 
please. I didn't actually drink out of this. I was just pouring it. <clears throat> I think it went down. That was actually like a really. You can big... still pour yourself some more if you want. Thank you. You're on eating. That was uh. I'm glad that was a. These are little pretzels. Right. It was a completely unchewed, like piece from like Jeez. here to here. <laughs> oh, that's not good. Got stuck there for a second. I totally threw the podcast off. With no, that. no. Just, you know, we don't need anybody to die on the show. Yeah. Um, you would be the most popular episode for all the wrong reasons. Oh my god. Well, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> but um, that Scooby Doo movie. Um, yeah, that was like. So I didn't really understand. Like, I thought that was just Scooby Doo, and you know, and then there was right. the one with the aliens. Yeah, after the, that, everything was. Yeah, there was the aliens, and then the third one. I don't, I'm not sure which one was the third and which one was the second, but I know the zombies was the first, and then mm. the uh, the vampires, and um, they kind of you know shaped my uh, the the women I'm into. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the hex girls. Yes. So, okay. The hot vampires. The hex girls. Mm-hmm. I completely right. forgot about them. I didn't. <laughs> um, so. The Hex Girls, I was like just past the window for the Hex Girls. But my sister, so here's a little girl who's into music and Scooby-Doo. It was like, so the way I would pick one of my old movies and watch it over and over and over until the tape broke, Mm -hmm. that's how she was with the Hex Girls. And you just totally reminds me of them. Nice. So yeah, there was the main one, because now we're going to go down this rabbit hole. There was the main one with the black hair. She had, And she had red, red accents. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you correct me though, because I, I want to see if I can remember. There, there's red, green, and yellow, I think. Okay. So in her hair? The yeah. The girl's hair? No, the main just, one was red. The bassist or whatever was green or yellow, and then yeah. the other one was green and yellow. Like red was okay. main, and then one was green, one was yellow, with like their hair and accents and what they wore and shit. Gotcha, that's right. But one, one, one hex girl had like pigtails. Mm-hmm. I think that was a yellow one. She had yellow hair, right? Okay. Uh, she looked kind of like more punk than the other two. I think. And was the third hex girl? Was your third hex girl black? I think they were all white. Okay. I, I'm not sure. I could I mean, also be like pulling Josie and the Pussycats into my memory too. You might one be. Of the one of the Josie and the Pussycats was black. Yeah. Josie and the Pussycats, that was another one. Yeah. On Boomerang. Mm-hmm. I got to rewatch that Hex Girls movie. Because last time I saw that, I was probably like, I don't know, six. I remember like back in the early days of YouTube kind of what you I think it was like Sam had showed you like Joe Mama or no I, you I, think, showed Sam. I think I showed him because I, I learned yeah. it from my cousin word yeah and then he showed me so that was like my first time I was ever on YouTube was like wow his reference that we should watch this weird like screwed up animation that I don't even know if it's in existence anymore but that was hmm. some it was some you're right it was funny shit for like a we were like eight or ten or something. Yeah, it was definitely one of the founding videos of YouTube. So I bet you it's on there in some capacity, whether it's a repost or mm-hmm. the original thing. 
Right. Like who, is, yeah. who is the lizard? The lizard? Early YouTube oh, lizard. With the it was like a dude like a drunk dude or oh, yeah, the yeah, guy who was high he took like acid or something and he was talking to himself. In a closet. Okay. Is that is that the guy you're talking about? And they Maybe. made a screwed up like Second Life lizard animation, or is that I, the one? I believe so. Like you just kept saying, I don't know like, much about it. Yeah, right. I watched yeah, it in the right. car because I also was very late to the YouTube. Right. <laughs> so I do remember it. I don't know what the name. Like is. he had like a Jersey accent. Fourteen. Yeah, yeah. and he kept saying, "Get real," yeah. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he was just high off his ass. He was on another plane. He just kept saying, "Get real." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know if that's a style or not. Whatever that like just the crude sort of new agey graphics are, but I don't know. I just really like it for some reason. It's like a nostalgia thing. I don't know. Who is the guy that you watched? Oh, the Xavier show? Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> what a show. So many clips of that on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, whatever that aesthetic is, it's, it's funny. It's almost like its own weird genre of psychedelic, you know, degradation. So, like, what, what, um, what does Xavier do? All <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? It's just, I don't know, it's like a traumedy, I think they call it. So it's just horrible shit. It just... All the characters show up and they're all just douchebags and it just it just gets really weird for no reason. Like takes every wrong turn. He's type of he's basically like this guy who's supposed to be like a shaman, mm -hmm. but he's a complete fucking moron, and <laughs> nothing he says makes any sense. And he's just trying to help people, but he ends up just fucking everything up. Yeah, okay. and he's the, like a, yeah a chimera thing. Yeah, <laughs> like he's got like. A bird beak, a snake for an arm, backwards legs, and hooves for feet, and he's just this very strange creature. What you say, chimera, like kind of thing. Yeah, it's like I think this, the mom was like partying with the zoo or something. And that was like <laughs> the offspring. It's just this screwed up thing. And it's pretty funny. And basically, he just tries to um, enlighten people, but um, the humor in it is very witty and. The jokes are just rapid fire, where you you cannot keep up with all of them. Everything has like three meanings. It's like yeah. funny, and like um, my favorite scene from that show is where he's arguing with himself. Oh yeah. He's like a second him appears in front of him, and they're arguing. The, the Shakashiri blowdown. Yeah, <laughs> I. It's like. <laughs> I I just it's just a quip battle, and they keep quipping back at each other, and like. They swap around you and me because they're the same person. So it's like, I bet you would do that, wouldn't me? And shit like that. And he's just always trying to sound like philosophical, but he's just a complete fucking idiot. It's yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> it's brain rot, but it is hilarious. It's like hi hi uh, yeah, whatever you call it. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> TV rots you nut. Like um. First episode, I think there's this like computer virus that's just like affecting the real world and taking over the world. Mm -hmm. He's like, "Oh, I have to do something. I have to get this virus." So he goes. <laughs> so he goes to the U.S. Army. He's just like, um, "Quick, give me that thing that you created." He says, "Crack." No, the other thing. Oh, AIDS. That's the spice. Yeah. <laughs> and he uses that. He just pours a gallon of AIDS on the computer, and it uh kills it. <laughs> yeah. 
it's one of those things you just just the clips on YouTube are enough to uh, let you know what the whole show is about and it's a it's a gold mine mm. yeah cool yeah, it's a neat template for sure <clears throat> well, I guess we'll wrap it up thanks right. guys for doing it yeah thank you for hanging out of course it was a fun Sunday night we've been wanting to throw a podcast together right after a race for a while. It's true, yes. So it's cool to, to get it done. Thank you all for once again listening to an episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. 106, we're just, we just keep plugging along here. I want to thank Kyle, Isaac, and Sam for coming on and helping me put this together. I really had fun doing this episode. Got to talk a little racing, a little music, a little movies. We hit all the bases, really. And it's always good to hang out with these guys. You can find this episode and all the other ones, 105 more, on all major podcast platforms. That's Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, a whole bunch of them, and YouTube with a little bit of video. And there will be some video clips from this episode being released as shorts, so keep your eyes peeled for that. In the meantime, you can check out what I'm doing on Instagram at Albert Chivers. You can also check out my NASCAR page at NASCAR underscore pulp. And you can look at the website www.albertchivers.com. You can find Kyle on Instagram as Kyle Priceless and Isaac on Instagram at when underscore in underscore zen. Isaac is part of a very cool band called powwow you should check them out too and um that's all i got for you guys thanks for listening again i hope you're enjoying this ragtag podcast of mine and um enjoying all the episodes that we're putting out for you this is real life experience people no glitz and glamour no special cameras no special nothing this is just people talking anyway Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of somebody else. Catch you in the next episode. Goodbye, wimps.